your neighbor say good morning. Tell the person a blessed day for you today. Insight for you today. Understanding. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, let's open our Bibles quickly to the book of Psalms 48. We're going to read the whole of that psalm to declare the glory of the Lord. Especially as his blessing, his blessings exist in our lives. We must learn that we have no good but that which comes from the Lord. Do you believe that? Yes, sir. Economy is not the source of your good. The government is not the source of your good. The weather, the climate is not the source. It's God that's the source of every good thing that you need and that you have already. All right, the book of Psalms, number 48. We are going to read the whole of the psalm. Now read like you are blessed. One, two, let's go. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. God is in her palaces, has made himself known as a stronghold. For lo, the kings assembled themselves, they passed by together. They saw it, then they were amazed, they were terrified, they fled in alarm. Panic seized them there, anguish as of a woman in childbirth. With the west wind, you break the sheaves of Tarshish. As we have heard, so have we seen. In the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish her forever. Verse 9. We have fought on your loving kindness, O God, in the midst of your temple. As is your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgment. Walk about Zion and go around her. Count her towers. Consider her ramparts. Go through her palaces that you may tell it to the next generation. For such is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us until death. Amen. I said amen. amen. There's something there that I don't know whether you noticed it. It said that um, the kings assembled themselves, that, that is against Zion. Then they saw it and they were amazed. They were terrified. They fled in alarm. Panic seized them there. Anguish as of a woman in childbirth. That is the way God breaks the ships of Tarshish with the east wind. So they were broken. Now, what am I trying to say? All the problems, all the enemies, Satan, all the plans of the enemy, when they see you, they are going to flee. Amen. So they are going to flee in terror Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Many things that come against you, you don't know about them. That's something I've noticed. God doesn't allow you. You know, you can't put too many things on your mind. Because instead of you having the testimony, you have fear. <laughs> Peace will surround you round about. Amen. Because God is great in Zion. Because God is elevated in your life. He said, for such is our God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us until death. That is your testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, before we take our seats, let's declare what we believe, that God has given us understanding and insight today. If you believe that your heart is already enlightened to hear the word, say amen to that. Therefore, declare one to let's go. 
Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I am pleasing him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to his word, the word is entering my heart, it is giving me light and direction, it is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Alright, let's open our Bibles again to the book of Psalm 144. Psalm number 144 is where we are going to start again from this morning. I want to read the blessing of God upon the people, his children again. I'll read it from the New Living Translation. It said, May our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. May our daughters be like graceful pillars, carved to beautify a palace. May our barns be filled with crops of every kind. May the flocks in our fields multiply by the thousands, even tens of thousands. And may our oxen be loaded down with produce. May there be no enemy breaking through our walls. May there be no going into captivity. No cries of alarm in our town squares. He said, yes, joyful are those who live like this. Joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. Now, what was he saying? This is how God wants his people to live. He said, our sons will flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. Our daughters will be graceful pillars. They will be like graceful pillars, carved to beautify a palace. Whatever we put our hands to do, he wants them to prosper. He said, if you're farming, your barns will be filled. Your crops will multiply so that your barns will be filled with every kind of crop. Same thing with your flocks. And then when you lie down in your homes, you will be at peace. There will be no trouble around you. There will be nobody coming to you know, kidnap and you know, hold you captive or take you into captivity. He said, this is how those who are blessed, those who have God, that is, those who have the Lord as their God, this is how they live, all right, joyfully. Now, bear that in mind. Then quickly go to the book of John, chapter 10. We'll read from verse, um, well, just so that we'll do some reading. I'll read a little bit uh, more than the very verse I want, which is verse 10. I'll just start from verse 7. So the Lord Jesus was speaking. He said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And we go in and out and find pasture. He said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. What about me? I came that they may have life. That is my sheep, and have it abundantly. Um, just let's read a few more lines. Why am I doing that? Because I am the good shepherd. And how you know a good shepherd is that he lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. Now, what I just want to emphasize is verse 14: I am the good shepherd, and I know my own. And my own 
know me. Let me stop reading there. The emphasis being that Jesus, as a good shepherd, what he came to do was to lay down his life for his flock so that they may have life abundantly. That's the emphasis. When they, like I said last time, he did not come to preserve the life they have. He didn't say, I've come that they may live long. That's not what he said. Jesus came to give his flock something they did not have, which is what he called what? Life. And not only did he come to give them life, he came to give the life in an overflowing measure. And please bear that in mind. That's how God does things. He does them in abundance. Okay? Now, let me remind us again, what is life? I always find life easier to explain by describing death. Life is the opposite. Okay? Now, what is death? Is the reason why things don't go well. Is the reason why we start a business and then it collapses. What is death? Is the reason why people miscarry. What is death? Is the reason why there is war and you know you have uh, natural disasters. I was reading yesterday, it's somewhere in Brazil, one cyclone already killed like is it forty or a hundred people. Is it Abuja? I didn't know things like that happen in Nigeria. Landslide killed people in Abuja. I mean, what did that one start? You know that kind of thing. That's what they call death. I hope you're getting my point. It's all the negative effects you feel on the earth. That is what death is in every ramification. It affects the weather. It affects the earth upon which we walk. It affects our work, all right? The fields we cultivate. It affects our relationships, right? How we relate to one another. Death is the reason why one tribe is against another. One village is against another. That's what the Bible calls death, all right? These things were introduced by sin. That's just the way it works. There is nothing that is negative that's not a result of iniquity. It does not mean you as a person or the person directly being affected now committed that sin. You must understand the structure of this earth is that we move in generations and we are tied to previous generations. And the responsibility for the next generation is upon this particular generation. So if this generation does something bad, they will leave a bad thing for the next one to walk into. Cain and Abel, were they deceived by the devil? Answer me, yes or no? No, they were not. They were not there. <laughs> were they born in the garden? So the sin of their father and their mother made them have their birth outside the garden. That's the point I'm trying to make. So you see, whether they sinned or not, they were not born in the garden. You can argue from now to tomorrow. The, their father and mother decided where they will be born by their iniquity. If they had not committed any sin, Cain and Abel wouldn't have been born in the garden. So if I say, Cain, you were born outside the garden because of sin. Say, what did I do? No, 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 no. He didn't do anything. But you see that guy? Your father, he did something. So, bear that in mind. So when we talk about sin, we're not saying that you as a person, okay, did anything wrong. But we're saying a principle, a force has been released into the air. And that force is making things work in a particular way. If you read your Bible, you see that, of course, these days we celebrate long life. If somebody lives to be a hundred years. <laughs> that person tried. Like we say, he really lived long. And medical science issued a statement, was it earlier this year or last year? They said nobody will live that medically, after they watch everything, genes and everything, that the life, the longest a human being can live is 120. Now, it doesn't make sense. People have crossed it, but that's what they said. Now, that's observing life now, looking at genes now. 
So that's why we did now re- tell you. you know, they read the scriptures. It looks as if the account of the Bible needs to be corrected. How can somebody live to be 900 years of age? So now they were counting months. Maybe that time, one month was one year. <laughs> it's not true. People actually live that long. The reason why people live this short now is sin. I'm not saying the person who lives short committed that sin. But the whole of mankind is under the influence of sin. I hope you're getting my point. So that, you know, and they, again, you must understand another thing. When God does some things, he has a process. Oftentimes there's a process. God will issue a word. And people may not experience the effect of it for a few generations. When they say, that day you shall die. Adam didn't fall over and die. He didn't just kill over there and just die there. No. What happened? The force of death was introduced. That's what happened. So immediately his own life began to expire. But he had so much of the original life, it took a long time. But each subsequent generation was experiencing it shorter and shorter. This, their lifespan was getting shorter and shorter. And many of the things I keep on saying, it, and I, I, believe, I pray that believers will understand it. Many of the things we experience in this life are the effects of death. Now, that's not where I'm going. Where I'm going is that many of the habits and solutions or um, practices that have been given to us as wise planning or wise behavior, they are actually ways by which we have learned to cope with death in operation. They may not be bad, naturally speaking, but that's what they are. Adam had a curse placed upon him as a result of his iniquity. He said, curse is a ground because of you. Now, many of the things we learn is how to operate as an accursed person on a ground that is cursed so that with our sweat, we'll be able to eat bread. And we write beautiful books on them. And we learn them and get some results. And we are proud of those results. I hope you're getting my point. Okay, so let, let me explain further. There's one I was giving as an example last time. They say, look, during your productive years, save 10% every time you earn money and invest it here and all of that. It sounds nice. And it will show you why people don't do it and poverty is their portion. And some who did it and poverty did not, they were able to have a good retirement. They say, the whole plan, you look at it. First, the word retirement is not even in the Bible. God never expected anybody to retire. You're not supposed to be tired. Why should you be tired? Who did you see in the Bible that retired? They usually are productive until they die. Moses was the leader until God said, enough. We are hand over to this person. You follow me and come and die. Do you get my point? Aaron wore his robe until he died. That is, his death was the remover of the robe, the priestly garment. Caleb was 85. He led a charge against descendants of Arba. That's what God just expected. Or that's what he planned. And so at the age of, um, in Psalm 92, he now said that they will be old and still be young, full of sap. That's what God is. But then so what we now find is that we have structures put in place to mitigate the effect of death. And we are agreeing that we are working on that death. So there are things we tell old people not to do. 
because they are now old. As if old age is a problem. I hope you're getting my point. We'll be given our age as an excuse. We don't see properly. We don't remember things. We cannot run. We can't walk. We can't do anything. Now, that's not the problem. The problem is that we assume it is what? Normal. You didn't come to church last week. You know, at my age, you know, we start explaining it as if this is how it's supposed to be. Then to reduce that, they say, go for a checkup every... <laughs> now, please, don't be angry with me when I say this. And I keep asking them, I say, wait, who was checking Jacob up? Who measured Abraham's BP every quarter of the year? Who did? None of them died until God said die. So we have a life. See, we have, a, we have whole subjects built around mitigate death. So doctors go to school for years. They learn, they specialize. I'm about to start. Let me say we. Then we start practicing. I hope you catch that. I don't mean you start working. Say so we start practicing. They will give some medicine to everybody for like 10 years. After I say, sorry, sorry, it doesn't work like that. Stop. They will give the opposite medicine for another 10 years. Say, sorry, 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 it doesn't work like that. Stop. You don't even need medicine at all. They now have doctors in three camps. Those who believe you don't need any medicine. Those who believe you use that first medicine. Those who believe you use the second one. And then you go up and say, which one do I now do? You see, anyone you like, do. You will see that when you are supposed to die. And if you are not supposed to die, you will not die. Fact. The confusion is massive. Let me go over something I've said again and again. Please, learn to pray. What did I say? Learn to pray. You must learn to pray. You can go and read up the story about um, one, um, the oxycontin um, problem America had over the last few years. They reckon that I've forgotten how many hundreds of thousands of people that must have died as a result of that drug. Yet it was, it was approved by their NAVDAC. You understand? You know what they call NAVDAC? Uh-huh. America has a NAVDAC. Okay? <laughs> Nigeria one is NAVDAC. One, they call it FD. But it was approved by their own NAVDAC. Yet, at the end of the day, what was it doing? Killing people. It made them drug addicts. So many of them died from suicide. By a drug prescribed by their doctors. The doctors are not really culpable because it was marketed to them as safe. It took years. For, now, the point is that those who went out to market it as safe, those who told them knew it wasn't safe. But the drive to make money out of it, they didn't come to lie that we know, but the money thing will make you not realize you know. The Bible says a bribe, all right? Blinds the eyes of the wise. That is, the man is wise, but he can't see. Why? He has a bribe in his hands. That's how powerful money is. That's why I said, learn to pray. Doctors, you know what I found out about them? They are human beings. And most of them are not spirit-filled. When we had our 25th um, um, anniversary, my classmates, reunion, we had a big event about it. We went back to our school. We had, you know, seminars. Some of my classmates gave lectures. You know, we donated some to the university, had meetings, parties, all kinds of things. Well, if, a number of days. Well, I'm going to one of the sessions, one of my classmates. He was speaking. He practiced in the U.S. And it's very, very well to do. He said, anytime you see a patient, that's a customer. 
He was, and he was teaching to students and other doctors that came. Many of his doctors were looking and saying, and this guy will be my doctor, God forbid. He explained that it's business. Talk to one, somebody once said, I wanted to do this. I said, do you, I said, you know that thing doesn't work, really. It doesn't have any effects. It's been proven that it doesn't work. He said, do you know how much it makes? That was the answer I got. That's why I said, learn to pray. Some of our brothers will talk sometimes. He said, ah, please, oh God, please, I need to ask you advice. I said, well, I said, you went to hospital. I said, when you are going to, I don't know about Enugu. Enugu people are nice people, all right? There are some parts of Nigeria, Laodicea, all right? Things are so expensive there. As soon as you walk in, the doctor is going to pay rent. He's trying to pay rent. He doesn't care whether you die or live. He's, he has to pay rent. So I just wish some of them would just say, guys, for coming in, just drop 50K. Then I'll be honest. If you don't agree, I know Africans, we don't like to drop money. Except doctors, the doctor does something. The doctor says, no problem. Since you won't drop money unless I do something. I will do something. It's not <laughs> to do something. Except that sometimes I will rob you wrongly. Something will not happen. You will not become sicker before, than before you came. Now, not because they are bad people. Mechanics are like that too. So I'm not trying to say that Udejuku uh, lifted his head when I said that. He was feeling righteous until I said that one. Chini do look like Pastor we too. Yes, now. Everybody wants work. I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> so I'm not trying to say that they're a uniquely bad set of people. I'm just trying to say human beings are human beings, so you must learn to pray. Even those who build houses are like that. Okay, I need to repaint this house. Why? And you're looking, why? It's not the house he's thinking about. He's thinking about his pocket. If you're going to repaint it, he gets money. Human beings are like that. I'm not trying to paint anybody, but as I just mentioned, the number of other professions, okay? I'm just going to emphasize to you, you must learn to pray. Before you go and see somebody that will help you, pray. I hope you're getting my point. It's very important. Anyway, let's start. Why I picked on doctors first is because we're talking about life. I hope you're getting my point. We're talking about Jesus giving us life. So many things have been... The reason why we keep doing that is that we're trying to end death. That's what I want to emphasize. We're trying to end death so that death, so many of, even financially, they write books. And like I said last time, if you look at it critically, these books were written for Adam walking on an accursed earth. So a man comes to explain to you that my earth is cursed. I am cursed. I am mortal. My life is limited. My blessing is, you know, cut short. I have a curse that says that from the sweat of my brows, I will eat bread. So I have learned how to sweat and get bread. So this is the book on sweat and get bread. So if the, if the title was honest and if the author understood, he would have titled it How to Sweat Under a Curse and Yet Get Bread. But you wouldn't buy it. So he would title it Retire Early, Retire Rich. How to Make Money in a Falling Market. All kinds of titles. I'll be reading one after the other. Forgetting that each one you pick, you have identified with Adam under a curse. Anytime you pick it, say, this is my life. Let's remember, the gospel is foolish to the earthly wise. So if you ask somebody, what have you saved up? What's your retirement plan? And it doesn't have any. It's foolish to you. So you don't have any? You are a disaster going somewhere to happen. And I've heard pastors preach it. And you feel like saying that, but Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. He said, you have to understand the context in which he spoke. He said, explain the context. He didn't live in Nigeria. Okay, he was not the Lord of the earth. Okay, fine. 
His words don't apply right now. Okay. What applies right now? APC policy. All right. Yeah, the pastors are boxed into a corner. They can't wriggle out of it. But no, okay, okay, I'll get back to the main thing that God said, all right, in a moment. But let me just continue to explain this death principle. So that's what it called death. Every day, we are walking under the influence of death. And we're trying to mitigate the, the effects of death. Now, the problem is that when God gives us life in Christ, we neglect to walk on that life and make it grow and blossom. We agree that we have the life, but we still focus on how to mitigate death. Each time we get up, we identify with Adam. And God is looking and shaking his head. Say, if only you had hearkened unto me, your well-being will have been like the waves of the sea. But we don't. At least we know enough, both from spiritual studies and even from physical studies, that the spiritual actually controls the physical. If we actually, as a group of people, that is, as a church, in enough numbers, that is, we members of the body of Christ, were to focus our spiritual energy on activating the life that is in Christ. Hmm? Many of the things we see around, sorry, theories will change. You know this life, these scientists, they keep on changing. Let me take some of your faith away from science. They can lie. See, there's no way, if you don't Praise God and give him thanks. There's no way you will not eventually become a liar. You know, I was reading, I was watching a video, Answers in Genesis. They have their videos, they have their website, they have their videos on YouTube, you know. One man was explaining something, and it dawned on me. That this man, is really, he said he never saw it too. But you know, you have to be a Christian to see some things. That biology, you know, evolutionary biology, they will explain to you about fossils, you know, fossils. Okay, how many years ago were fossils formed? Now, there's no catch. Just tell me an idea, the one they told you. Fossils were formed like when? Eh? Somebody six million, you know. Oh, oh, they actually say millions, all right? Give me another one. No, they say the earth is four point something billion years old. Okay, so um, give me another one. Just, just figures. No, there's no catch. You miss it. You may get it, but you get my idea. What did you, somebody says here, say something. They're not afraid to talk. Thanks to you, Just give me an idea that you had. I need this to be able to explain what I'm saying. Just an idea. It doesn't have to be accurate. How long ago, eh? It's 100,000 years. Mm-hmm. 65 million. Okay, so, but you see that there are a huge number of years that you've heard, and you're right, most of them, they give you hundreds of thousands of years and to a few million years. It's as if the animals died, then they settled down and they were fossilized. Except that if you look at the fossils properly, that's not true. How do you fossilize an animal that's giving birth if he died naturally? I don't know what I get the point. Because fossils have been found of animals giving birth. In the process of birthing, they died and were fossilized. So, what does that tell you? There was a disaster that happened and created it. It's not natural. That is not as if that's how animals were. No. That something happened suddenly. So, they saw animals eating. A fish swallowing another one and was fossilized in that process. Which means whatever happened was dramatic. And the Bible told us about Noah's flood. Remember, all I'm trying to do is define life. Remember that? Yeah, life. Okay? So, but we're still looking at death because life is the opposite. Do you remember? That's what we're doing. 
Anyway, I was telling you about that thing I saw. And the man explained that, listen, the Bible is actually true. And many of the things, people just come out, they don't want to accept. So science just keeps on. Today they tried this one with some fundamental lies in the heart that one, everything came out of nothing, nobody created it. So when they read the Bible and somebody used to live to be 500 years of age, they say it's not true. Meanwhile, the evidence is there that is absolutely correct. Those things are correct. But once God spoke, all right, death began to work. People began to live, live shorter lives. And many of the things we learn every day is the effect of sin on the earth. Now, I'm going to just drop one quickly, even though it's a distraction from the main thing, but I can't help it. You know everything they tell you about anthropogenic global warming? Just know that they are all lies. Say that this preacher said they are lies. And if you're a Christian and you're studying science, bear it in mind and go and re-examine the facts. And you know what I'm telling you is true. Lest my English sound too big. What do you mean by anthropogenic? It means man-made global warming. Now, you go and check it. They've dropped the word global warming to climate change. I posted something some time ago, which I saw somewhere. All the arguments used now, to ex- used a few years ago to show that the globe was warming, were the same arguments exactly used in the 70s to explain the globe was cooling. And the headlines then was global freezing, man-made global freezing. So I'm not telling you just to just go and Google up the headlines. Go to Google Images, New, uh, Time Magazine of the 70s, and you see it. Are we heading for a new ice age? Then go and read the articles. They say it's because we are driving cars now. Industries are emitting smoke. We are burning fossil fuels. That's why the globe is cooling. Somebody's like, no, but that's what they told us why we are warming now. Yeah, but that's exactly what they said in the 70s on why we are cooling. The argument then was that, see, when the smoke goes up, it blocks the rays of the sun, and the earth cannot get enough heat. But now, they say when the smoke goes up, it traps the heat that is under, and then we are getting too hot. Basically, you know what we are saying? We don't know what we are saying. <laughs> but you know the Bible has an answer. Why the earth remains. Cold and heat, they alternate. They will propose, propound the theory. After a while, all the evidence, pieces of evidence available will show that the theory is wrong. And they will just change it. And they do not tell you the Christians don't know what they say. I will be following science. I say science knows what he say. Like I've explained to you in recent times, that first, the Bible has always said there's a beginning. Just in the last few years, that science discovered there's a beginning. They used to believe an eternally existing universe. The Bible said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They said there's no beginning. Things have just always been there. Okay. Until a few decades ago, those who were studying some realm of physics and astronomy found out that the universe is expanding. So if it's expanding, it must have been the time was small. And if it was small, it must have been the time it was very small. And it must have been the time it began in the Big Bang. Okay. Somebody said, but we told you from the beginning, it's the first line of our Bible that there was a beginning. Then let me not sit on that. I've talked about it again and again. But the point I want to make is that don't trust science that much. Trust the word of God. And if you're a scientist, if you believe in God, you learn faster. Yes. 
you become like I saw one man the other day. You know, before. No, let me, don't let me go on because I, I won't get to my message. Let me stop there. Right? But only tell you that Noah packed animals into the ark. Believe it. It's, it's very, very possible. I won't tell you the reason why it's so possible. The man proved it scientifically. Basically, the diversity of animals then is not as much as what you have now. And scientifically proven. But let's leave that. I just that I left my main <laughs> discussion on death to explain why science tries to make it look like death is normal. All right? Sorry, again, I can't leave it. I need to keep tell you something. There's a particular celebrated atheist. One major problem he has with God, the knowledge of God, is that he hates the idea that there is, there is death. I heard his argument. You see a man that's angry all the time. You know, you can't help it. If you're always angry, we will know. The people who are always angry at you is not you. They were angry before they met you. You are the current object of their anger. When you go away, they'll be angry with their dog. When the dog goes away, they'll be angry with the gates and whoever made it. And some people, when the anger is so much, they have to be angry. The only place that can take the anger is God. So they're angry at God. Let me use that expression. This man is just angry. You see it in his face, the way he talks. He doesn't have a smile. Never saw a smile on his face. Nothing funny to him. And what was his problem? That the universe dies too much. He didn't use those words, but that's what he explained. He explained. For example, our son is going to one day expire. And why should he expire? That's what's annoying him, his son. That they say he has fuel to last another 4 billion years. So no matter what you do, in 4 billion years, there will be no, the earth will no longer be livable. Which is the reason why they are looking for star, uh, planets elsewhere to run to. And he's angry. You see him, he's angry. Mutations, diseases, they annoy him that you guys said there is a God. Then he was very bad at his job. Yeah, that's what he said. That if he did, there is a God that doesn't know the work. Because he makes things that fail. Are you getting my point? That's the argument, that he makes things that fail. So if you are God, why should there be death? Why couldn't you stop it? Why? He doesn't want to acknowledge, or he refused to open his heart to be taught about what is called sin. That's why I'm talking about it. Because sin brought in death. Sin brought in death. Sin brought in death. And the man is angry that God didn't stop death. Meanwhile, God did. But people like him refused to activate the stopping principle. Let's now get back to life. I've spoken at length talking about death. What is life? Now, it's easy to understand life. When I painted the picture about death, right? What is life? Is that force that God injects into us that makes everything said about Adam not come to pass. Under a curse, that is the curse of Adam. Life is the reason why Adam wouldn't just expire after some years. He will remain the way God made him. What is life? When it hits the earth, as an example, I was complaining to my son the other day that there's a particular place in the house. It's supposed to be, you know, like a flower. It's a ledge, they call it. That the weeds grow quicker than the flowers. Every time I'm pulling weeds, and the thing I planted, no great grow. There was a time I left the weeds. There was one very, very nice weed like this that was growing well. And it looked nice. So I said, okay, fine. If you will do the job, do it. <laughs> so I left the ornamental plants and allowed the weed to grow. Because it was growing well. Then I realized what the Bible calls some things wheat and some things tears. 
Maybe things saw that I was enjoying it. He said, oh, guy, I'm, my name is Weed. So you know what he did? He turned brown. And died on me. I'm like, oh boy, I thought you wanted to do the job of the ornamental plants that we planted here. But he said, no, I'm a weed. I'm not here to bless anybody. Once I'm blessing somebody, I will stop working. Yeah, that's what the weeds do. That's what they call death. Just growing faster than my plants. That's death. Life is the opposite. Life is why, why I will plant, and then the weeds I planted will grow faster than the weeds. Do you get my point? Anything growing will be a blessing to me. That's life. Life is the reason why I just get stronger with age instead of getting weaker. Now, that's what God actually designed. The older you get, the more experienced you are, and the fitter you are from experience. That is life. So it's not because you have played football for this thing. Your knees are now worn out. The one guy that's just uh, 17, 21, you now think he can take you, and you are 35. Now say, you are old for a footballer at the age of 35. I'm going to look at what's going on on this earth. At the age of 40, you are old for a boxer because one young boy will just kill you in the ring. Now, that's not the original design. The original design is that, look, I have boxed much longer than you. I now had my experience. To my fitness, then I defeat you. That is life. Life means that I don't have to fall sick because I'm old. Life means I don't have to go blind or start seeing men as trees just because I'm old. Life means that I can get injured, but I must heal. Injury didn't come because they left the garden. You think if Adam was hammering something in the garden and he hammered his finger, Eve would have said, hey, what's going on there? He would have screamed, and Eve would have said, what is going on? And I said, I just hammered my finger. And she said, oh, sorry, my husband. God bless you. It will be fine. And after a few days, it's totally healed. A few weeks, it's back to normal like nothing happened. Pain was not invented by the fall. Pain is a defense mechanism. It's the reason why Adam would not have been kneeling nil anyhow. I hope you're getting my point. And God didn't just, okay, after you people are falling, I let me go. Hey, pain, pain receptors, please help me add some to their skin. No. We were there from the beginning that Adam, when you are cooking, please cook the food, not your hand. <laughs> and the only way Adam will know is not that God will say, okay, move your hand back now, you're getting too close to the fire. No, now pain will talk to you. Pain will talk to you. The only thing is that God will not have allowed, if you get injured yourself, for the injury to be permanent. You will get injured. No matter how blessed you are, if you cross certain paths, you will get injured. The only thing is that you will get healed. Yeah, you will heal. You will heal. You will be healed. That's the only thing that God guarantees. But that is what life does. Life means that you will be productive. You know, curses are real. I keep on saying that thing. Life is that which cancels every curse that's on Adam. Life is what cancels every curse that's in your life, in my life, as a result of who gave birth to us outside the garden. Do you get my point? Yeah, because like I said, look, Cain, Abel, they didn't have to do anything wrong before they were born outside the garden. All the descendants were born outside the garden. They didn't have to do anything wrong. So without doing anything wrong, those guys were sweating from the beginning. From day one, they were sweating. 
God gave them sacrifices to reduce the effect of that curse in their lives. And if anyone will walk with God closely and offer the right sacrifices at the right times, then the curse will have been suspended. Not fully lifted, but suspended. Do you get my point? So what is life? It means that any excuse... No, life is the reason why, whether you say 10% or no percent, your bands will still be filled. Last time I explained that there are two reasons why you save. There's a saving of poverty so that later on in life you have something. But there's, there's a saving of abundance in which it's called having a ban. I've harvested. Will I eat it everything one day? No, no. It's not of fear of tomorrow. It's there's season. There's seed time. And then there's harvest time. So now I'm in the season of harvest. God makes the harvest so abundant that I don't have to be afraid to stop. Uh, it, storing is necessary. If God blesses you so much, that every time you finish business at the end of the month or every quarter, you do accounts and everything, they say, okay, here, take 10 million, let's use Naira. It's uh, 15 billion Naira, one quarter. See, you, you now say, you know, I don't, I, I'm not afraid of tomorrow. Let's just, let's just spend it. I'm not saying don't spend everything, but you will not keep it in your bedroom. Where are you going to put it? In fact, they can't even bring it to you. Is the, the credit I let you will see that we have credited your account with this amount of money. And then, no matter what you are doing, once it's not business investment, if not chopping, you know they call chopping. You are eating food, you are buying clothes, you are paying power, you are paying water rate, you are paying all those things. You can't scratch a percent of it before the next consignment will arrive. How are you going to do it? Someone moved years ago. I won't tell you the news, so you won't go and watch it. One guy's uncle left money for him. Does it was a test? He said, I want to do to you what my father... His father saw, caught him smoking when he was young. His father locked him in a room with a box of cigarettes. Cigars, actually. And said, eh, you want to smoke? So he locked the boy there, gave him one box or two. He said, when you finish smoking it, you can come out. Three days, the little boy was smoking. His father was looking like, I, I want to see that you smoked it too. Not that you lit it on fire. Smoke it. Smoke it. Say he smokes. The father said, when I'm done with you, next time you see a cigarette or a cigar, you will run. So when he came out from there, they finally gave him food after three days of smoking. The rest of his life. If you, if you smell cigarettes, start throwing up. Said, his father wanted to ensure that he didn't do any bad thing like that in his life. So he said, now I want to do it to you with money. He told his, his distant uh, niece, Nephew, I want to do this to you with money. So he let the guy a lot of money, but that he can only get it if he can spend $30 million in 30 days. And today's dollar is like $60 million in 30 days. And he must acquire no property. He can't throw the money away. Every, he can only give out 5%. He can only buy something valuable. With 5%. So 10% is the maximum he can actually waste. Every other thing must have value and he must get receipts for them. In today's dollars, because that movie is old, in today's dollars, it's $60 million in 30 days. That's when the guy realized that spending money is hard. Of course, what could he do? He hired many people, somewhere to be cleaning his right hand. You clean my left hand. You know, 
<laughs> and he lodged all of them in the most expensive hotel. All of you, oh yeah, top of the suite here, oh yeah. Everybody stay there. One manager just photographing him. One person to, to, to iron his clothes, one to wear the cloth on him. He used to do strange things like his friends wants to come, okay, he decided to organize a tournament. So maybe the thing is in um, Abakliki. Okay, no, let's not use Abakliki. Um, uh, Asaba, yes. And they're supposed to go from here to Asaba. So he flew everybody to Lagos. They flew them to Asaba. <laughs> so he can get receipts. When he cruising, they have driven them across in two hours and be there. They spent more time flying. Why? He said they want to, his, his uncle said to him, I want you to hate the sight of money. I don't know, 30 days. The guy hated money. If you bring money, they want yours. <laughs> the Lord is good. It's a comedy. I, I, I saw the movie more than 20 years ago. It's a comedy. Very funny film. Now, where I'm going is that, see, you know, God can bless you like that, that you can't catch up with the blessing. Yeah, that's what, that's what bands are for. You know, it's real. Egypt at the time was so blessed. Storing food was a problem. They were so blessed. Some people believe that these pyramids we see were developed to store green. Now, I'm not saying they are right. I'm just telling you what some people... Because Joseph had to get divine ingenuity. The food was so plenty. The whole of Egypt and everybody around them could eat for the next seven years. You know the truth? That is what God expects when believers save money. He doesn't expect that when they don't have, they are saving. He said, no, you can't afford it. That's, that's fear. He said, look, let's work together. Look, I'm going to bless you to an extent that you realize that. You know, sometimes when God wants to just show you that you are foolish, you, <laughs> you can work hard. Ah, I don't know about now. Those days when I first left school, when we just finished NYC, that's when I told God that if you want to bless me, no, I said, if you don't want to bless me, don't worry. But what people are doing to get small things in this life, I will not do it. I told the Lord, I won't do it. In time I did a little bit of it, I looked like it, even though it was not deliberately planned. I didn't have to be told. When I, I told myself, I'm not doing it again. I said, ah. Because just to buy, I remember, one of my guys bought a Honda Quintet. That's the smallest thing that's not a motorcycle that Honda ever made. <laughs> Go and check it. Honda Quintet. In fact, the name alone will let you know. Anything that ends with et, you know, say it's a tiny one. That thing had, in fact, I'm sure they took one of the engines from one of their big motorbikes and put inside. Honda Quintet. I remember. To buy that vehicle, not only him, many young doctors those days, young men, doctors, of course, that's, those are my colleagues. That's what they were doing. They get a job, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Another one from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. And the last one from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. Yeah, I'm not exaggerating. God is my witness. I was there. No, I'm not joking. Yeah, they did it. I was there. I was there. It's three jobs. So I'm looking like, for what? So that they can have some extra money and then the guy could buy a Honda Quintet. The guy I'm thinking of now, the, the guy I'm thinking that the one that did this one, that bought the Quintet, by the way, he's still on record as the stingiest human being I've ever encountered. Never saw anybody as bad, half as bad as him. Let me not tell his story now. The stingiest human being I've ever encountered on this earth, till now. Never seen type before. 
But that's another story. Please go and check your life. Make sure you don't have that record. None of your friends can remember the day they drank something and you are the one that paid. That's another story. Let's not get there. But those days I looked. I said, ah, God, I can't do like this. You walk like this, you will die. See, guaranteed. You now start taking medicine to live. You can't walk like that. You're going to wear out. You are going to wear out. That's, look, I said, what? I told God, hey, please, Papa God, I want you to bless me. But if you decide not to, don't worry about it. But this I will not do. I was willing to trek into eternal life. <laughs> Telling you the truth. I was. I was. You know, when I first met this, my wife, one of the things that upset her about me is that she said I talk too much. Now, of course, if you're a preacher, you have to talk too much. If you're not talking, you're not called. <laughs> you're not called. You're not called. If you're not called, talking, I mean, you got to talk. Am I going to read your mind to learn from you? Imagine Jeremiah comes and says, says the Lord, but no one talk. Anyway, <laughs> one reason why this madam said that was that early in my life, when I first got to know her, I quickly let her know I didn't have money. I wasn't planning to have. No, that's what she was saying, that this man talked too much. Yes, I used style. She was in Benin, I was in Lagos. I used style to describe where I was staying. You know, you used style to tell her where I was staying. I used style to tell her how much I was earning. And that wasn't her though. Just see, maybe, ah, this is a very nice dress you're wearing. I tell me that, I say, ah, that, month, that is one third my monthly salary you've had. You know the cost of the dress? You multiply by three? <laughs> you get how much the black guys earning a month? I mean, it wasn't hard. I made it clear, I'm not planning to look for money. I'm not planning to. You met me as a preacher, I will continue preaching. Just get it clear. This guy is not going to look for money to take care of you. Now, I wasn't joking. No, I told you the story. The first when I came for the, uh, she was a fan of yesterday at that time, just about to graduate. That's when we met during my alumni convention. So, she said, whether I will come for the send off. I said, okay, no problem now. So I came. In fact, I saw the picture recently. She was away like 35 kg in that photograph. <laughs> for her height, she's a tall woman, <laughs> 35 kg, no flesh, all bones. I just saw the picture recently, I saw the dress. When I saw the, the material she used to make, the clothes she was wearing. Oh, you're looking at the material like this. See, I lived for some time with my auntie that had a lot of money. So I, so I could identify those things. I could identify them. I could identify them. See, I'm not exaggerating. Woman will wear, you know, the way, complete wear. And that's my whole month's salary. And nothing special. You're just going out for one wedding. I, I, I was used to it. I saw them wear suits. That I think took like four, five months of my salary to pay for. Yeah, not, I know. Even till now, do a small calculation. If I give you $2,000 a money suit, check how much it is. So those guys wear those things. So, so when I see this girl, where, where are they push you? Wear one of those things. Now I panic. No, instant panic. My head went, mm, 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 mm. I didn't say anything. No. At, your, at the end of the day, when they finished, we were outside of Jiu-Jitsu and said, ah, oh, wow, this, this your dress is nice. I said, yeah, very nice. <laughs> so you wear things like this? That's what I told her. <laughs> she remember. <laughs> no, that's why she said I talk too much, because... 
No, I said, no, I told her, I said, how many young men can afford things like this? She laughed. She said, ah, no, they also wear prints. Ah, yeah, better wear print too, because uh, <laughs> that's the only thing these black guys buy. I mean, because. <laughs> no, see, I told myself, I am not going to worry my head. What I told the Lord, I told her to. See, if God will bless me, let him bless me. But this one, this run up and down because I want to have money, I will not do it. The part of my problem then was that I saw people that were really blessed. They were not running up and down. They were not running up and down. They were just walking what you and I would call normal walk. The normal walk. That is, they were just walking normally. There was nothing fantastic they are doing. Nothing. Nothing fantastic. It's not as if they were inventing uh, an iPhone every day. No. They just go to work like me and you. Type on email, answer one phone call, send something, send a report. Collect a report, go to one place, pick some things, supervise some things, speak big English, then come back and sit down, cross their legs and say, oh, it's, been a, it's been a full day, man. <laughs> I don't know if they, when they say they, they pay salary, they will give the guy one deposit. And now, so, that's why I know some of them are not be, be behaving as if they know how to do it. Look, bro, I can do what you are doing. Come and sit here. Let me sit there. It's true now. Why are you doing like this, you know? <laughs> and one, one, one man told me something once. I was really impressed because he was very honest about it. He said, look, that God has been very good to me. God is very, very good. He said, uh, God gave him a good name. All right? And look, a good name is important. Whether it makes you rich or not, please go for a good name. You must have a good name. You must have a good name as being a reliable, responsible, trustworthy person. No, not, those, not, not those words. You must have a good name that what? A reliable, a responsible, and trustworthy person. What does it mean to be reliable? It's simple. It means that if you say you will do it, you will do it. Responsible. It means that you don't have to be told to do it. When you see that it needs to be done, you get up and do it. That is, you know how to respond to things. That's what it means, to be responsible. That things are bad, you go there and fix them. That means to be responsible. And trustworthy, of course. People are highly trustworthy with money. It just simply means you keep good accounts. Somebody give you one million to help him do something. If he's doing it, he say, oh, boy, we spent 975000 This is the balance on the file. This is a breakdown. If he did not agree that he will pay you something, give him his money back. If the agreement was that he will pay you something, ask for your pay. That's sim- it's simple. And this, this, they're not hard to do if you're a Christian. So this man has that um, reputation, all right, the good name. So people want to do business in Nigeria, they call him. So he told him that there's one that they call him to come and do. And he was like, he said, they said, no, you don't have to bring money. I said, okay. So for his involvement, do, didn't bring anything. They gave him 5%. I said, fine. He said, man of God, the only thing I do is that when these people come, most of them are foreigners. When they come, I take care of them. That is when they come, they trust me to take care of their security. I run the meetings. So I'm part of the board. He said, at the end of the year, they share profit. I get 5%. He said, the money is very good. He, come, he said, the money is good. He said, I don't do anything, no. He said, they meet like, is it once or twice a year? And the only thing he knows he does, that, of course, his name is on it. Maybe they must have a Nigerian. So he's the Nigerian there. He said, the only responsibility I have is that when they are coming, I take care of them. So they are having a meeting. I arrange the meeting. I make sure everybody is well taken care of. They land at the airport. I pick them up. I, of course, not personally. He arranges everything. Arrange security for them. They hold the meetings in the meeting. They make decisions. We are doing this. We are doing that. He puts in his advice. He doesn't supervise anything the rest of the year. So when they finally do the account, okay, how much money did they make this year? Maybe, okay. Of course, most likely those guys, they think in dollars, all right? 
Someone they think, okay, all, all we made in Nigeria this year is, is $10 million. Fine. I got 5% of $10 million, which is $500,000. Yes, they give it to him and that. If it's 20 million, he gets a million dollars. He said, I don't do anything. No. He was telling me, he said, I don't do anything. No. I hope you are getting my point. That was why I told God that I said, if you want to bless person, eh? bless person. If you want to bless me, bless me. If you won't, don't worry about it. I, won't com- I told him, I won't complain. No. But to work like I want to die, the one I'm seeing Honda Quintet buying people do. I said, I'm not doing it. My guy buy Honda Quintet finish. We'll be in, when, we're inside vehicle. He reached top of a hill, go quench engine, roll the motor down. <laughs> because they were first scarcity. Number one is a Quintet. How do you use fuel? On top of that, you are still freeing it down the hill. You should know you are not blessed. Sell it and eat your money. Seriously. There's a video one of our sisters forwarded to me. Beautiful video. The man said, stop seeing a bag of cement in every money you make. He said, if the money you have cannot solve the problems you have, eat that money. And it was it. He said, what are you doing now? He said, I am eating this money. I'm telling you, too. If you cannot fuel the Honda Quintet, sell it and eat the money. He said, they have increased fuel price. There's no problem. Take the motor, sell it. It's true now. Or give to somebody who can use it to do Uber, cab, and let him be making money and you guys be sharing it. But to be sitting down every day like we were discussing yesterday, what does it mean to murmur? And be murmuring about uh, why did they remove, food, remove soil subsidy? Don't they, know, they don't want the poor to breathe because you have a car. Sell that car and eat the money. Buy trekking shoes. There are some shoes. That, no, serious. I'm telling you. Look, when you sell the car, you know the quality of shoe you can buy. We call them in Bender those days, that Delta now. Kakaroro. <laughs> Never say that. Hey, look, these are shoes that you finish using to trek all over Enugu. They say your friend is wearing, you polish it, it still goes there. It's called Kakaroro. When you see the grid of the sole, it's like tire. Telling you, buy two of that. You get my point. Then, of course, don't be motor you sell. So you cannot buy one fancy shoe. Keep that one high up. Don't keep that one on the floor. Keep it hanging there. Please always cover it with something. So that when you are not using it, dust will not be using it for you. <laughs> and take your life easy. So when I want to go out, it's simple. And take okay. If you want to go somewhere responsible, then call Uber. Pay Uber for the day. So I know what life is about. I mean, people just begin their own necessary. The Lord is good. Let's talk about life, Joe. <laughs> I'm talking about life. <laughs> life makes you so abundant. Saving for you is not discipline. It's overflow. You get what I'm saying? That's life. Life means some of these books disappear from your shelf. How to retire. Your... Why should you retire young when you have life? Stop strategizing for retirement. Please, strategize for being blessed. There's nothing wrong with being 90 years old and you are supervising investment. Yes. The young men in their 30s, they are coming to present um, proposals to you. And you are looking at it like, you're doing like uh-huh. you give them the wealth of your experience. I mean, you give them something from your wealth of experience, I want you to say. Then this will work. So, okay, do this one. I will check it, check it out in one month. You give them idea. Yes, sir. They say, okay, let's start. You write them a check. Okay, that's 250 million. All right. 
Okay, good. Then you appoint one of your sons, either directly son but or trained son, to go and be on the board. They go away. And because you put their money, ah, one, one man was having financial issues. One man of God gave him money. Say, put in your business. What was he saying? My money is blessed. Your business will do well. Somebody I know, the family. The man, was, the man was having serious issues when he used to be in a cult and all of that. So he, he lost everything. So this man of God took money and gave him. Now go and put this money in your business. It's blessed money. Your business will do well. There's a way you invest for people and say, listen, you can't lose my money. Why is my money? As I'm giving you money, angels have gone with you. They will teach you sense if you didn't have. And if you came here to defraud me, don't say I didn't warn you. You know it's not every fraud money you can eat. Some of them, as you as hit your account like this, you don't die with that now. To the one of our brothers, it's a pastor, gave the testimony how he was into 419, you know, scamming and all of that. When the Amugu paid, his friends came and gave him his cut of the money. He said, guys, I've given my life to Christ. And his father told him that if you put your hand on the plow, you can't look back. So he told the boys, I can't look back. So instead of being five, they were now four that shared the money. He said, the day he was, I was there, he was preaching. He said, sir, today, I'm the only one still alive of the five. All the other four, they are dead. And he wasn't old. Still about 30, maximum is early 30s, then. And all his friends were dead. So it's not every kind of fraud money you eat, though. Tell those people they do fraud. <laughs> I just realized, see, there are three kinds of people that you don't eat their money. I'll start with a very funny one, and then some other ones. Don't go and eat Ijebu man babalawo money. <laughs> if you're a froster, and the babalawo is an Ijebu babalawo, don't eat his money. The guy is dangerous. <laughs> some babalawos are not jokers, though. They go enter into the inner chamber. Swear from there. <laughs> you know when they say thunder fire, you is literal. <laughs> You'll be going on the road. You shall go. <laughs> we release something. Those guys are not one of my one of my classmates. <laughs> Talk about something. He said he served near that area, NYC. He said he used to string, see strange diseases. Until they started asking patients, did you offend somebody? <laughs> He said, I saw one day, one policeman, feeling very powerful, lived in a place. One man had many wives. So the policeman come begin to chase him, Baba's junior wife. <laughs> said, the Baba won him. The man no one here. So the policeman come meet my friend one day, say, hand the pen <laughs> It was years later I realized what the diagnosis must have been. My friend, my classmate, who's a medical doctor, um, NYC doctor, he didn't know what it was. He did what they could. And anyway, he said, they should... Anyway, the guy's hand just kept on swelling, 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 swelling. When he reached here, he died. He asked the man, did you offend somebody? Because he did, all his days in medical school, he didn't see this one. <laughs> like I said, I'm going from the lower one to the higher one. First of all, you don't eat their money. Second set, <laughs> children of God who are dealing honestly with you. You have a praying person. You decide to go and defraud him. He is worse than that Baba said. The only advantage of him is that if he knows you personally, he can go to God and beg for you. Say, Baba God, leave him. And that begging he begs is a dangerous beg. Do you know why? What God does is that he, he carries the judgment and lifts it higher up, but keeps it there. It is still fall. And every day he stays, he's getting stronger and stronger. 
So what the guy's prayer has just done for you is to suspend it, hoping you will repent. If you repent, fine. If you don't repent, it will fall. It's worse than the Jebu Manzono. The Baba Jebu Zone, it's worse. The last group who you don't defraud and eat their money, they are the most dangerous of the lot, is orphans and widows. Don't try those ones. Now there's no mercy. Especially when you know. Ah. God said, no, I take the life of those who do it. You just wake up in the morning, you cross the road, just down in the middle, no car jam you, nothing. God will just make you, it's a spiritual vehicle coming, what? Close out, hit you, you see the vehicle, no human being will see it. So those of you who are doing for one, I hope you get to listen to this. You want to defraud somebody, defraud a froster like yourself, then you may have hope. Because there's no, t- why? God doesn't even know why, to de- why you should defend that one. Now, that is an aside, okay? So the main thing I'm trying to say is that, so, you can be 90, and your, a blessing is upon you, and you still have the sharpness of mind to instruct people. The other day, I, I read this story, a challenge that Warren Buffett threw down some years ago, trying to prove to people that his own investment strategy is the best. I've forgotten how much money he put down. That if she left some stock, they put some money down. We'll invest it like, you know, invest any way you want. I'll invest my classic way, then we'll see in 10 years. He threw on the challenge. So one guy picked him up on it. The first few years, that guy was beating Warren Buffett. A few years down the line, <laughs> Warren Buffett's total investment just kept on, from that money they started with. At the end of 10 years, let's make a long story short, he had beaten that guy by far. Why? He knows life. He knows, inv- he, all this one of, you know, you wake up, NFT, NFT, NFT. And Buffett's looking at you, say, how do I explain this to my mother? He has an investment rule. If I, don't, if I cannot explain what you do to my mother, there is not worth investing in. Crypto, crypto, crypto. It's as if greed will not let you see straight. They've told this thing has nothing inside it. The only person that, will make, that you only make money from it if somebody more foolish than yourself comes in. So it's a competition of foolishness. You are hoping that you are not the most foolish human being on the earth. That as I'm putting my money, may somebody be more foolish than me. Why are you looking at all of them? And he gave a prophetic word. He said <laughs> to come down to zero. Where I'm going is that you can be old, yet your brain is so sharp. You are so good with knowing life and how to do business. And you are 90 years old. You are 100 years old. You are still chairing boards. And it doesn't mean anything to you. Why are you strategizing for, invest- for retirement? You can be so blessed that if you turn to the left, you, you, are, you, you, you make a profit. If you turn to the right, you make. If you sleep, you wake. You, you make. The Bible actually says that's one of the signs of blessing. Even while you sleep, God is still blessing you. That's what life is. That's what life is. Let me tell you what life is. You can inherit a, an abnormal gene. See, I'm praying that God will give me more revelation and more manifestation in some things. You know, genes are not God. There's a God superior to genes. When God speaks to genes, they get silenced. Even in medicine, we know. There's what they call gene silencing. There's what we call skip generations. There are times you won't understand. This person is supposed to have this disease. He doesn't have it. Why? They call him a skipped generation. The gene has been silenced. God does it. He speaks to genes and they are silenced. Sin spoke to genes and they became altered. Every mutation Every genetic abnormality is the effect of death. And God will look and say, leave. And the gene will correct itself. The bad one is silenced. 
in that generation, and God said, you will not be transferred. I never moved to another generation. Life has killed it. You know what life means? Life means even though these cells were injured genetically somewhere along the line, I will repair those genes, and you never suffer the effect of it. That's what life is. You know, the other day I read, now, what, I won't give you names, okay, so that, and I don't have enough figures about, uh, facts about it. It's a historical issue. One funny guy that was in one part of the world, some of you may know the story if I tell it. But people didn't like his influence in government with the king that time. So decided to kill him. And what they did was to poison him with cyanide. They gave him cyanide enough to kill four men. He ate the food, asked them whether they didn't have wine to wash it down. So they gave him wine and he washed it down. Ah, so the guy panicked. The guy killed him. He went and got a gun and shot the man. I think in the head or in the chest. So the man fell down. And so that guy went in, came out to get something. And the man who was supposedly dead gave him a blow in the face. They began to fight. So finally he ran away. The dead, the man was supposed to be dead. He started pursuing the man. Make a long story short, they finally succeeded in killing him. But it was hard. They tried. I think they finally clubbed the man and threw him into a lake. And there's so many myths about whether he even died. He floated back up, went, ah. Now, where I'm going is... <laughs> now, he was a mystical person, all right? At uh, time, he was supposed to be a priest of some sort. But let, let me not say much, because he didn't have a good testimony, a good life. But... I just look at it. Something was keeping this guy alive. Now, this is why I'm telling the story. So I started reading modern stories about him. I've read all kinds of So there's what they call revisionism in history. People start revising history. That it could not have happened like this. Because what is recorded doesn't make sense to them. So I, I saw two people explain what happened. One said, when they fed some rats with cyanide, after giving them garlic, they did not die quickly. And that man used to eat a lot of garlic. That garlic must have saved his life. I said, revisionism. You see, you, you, you can't understand why a man will eat this volume of cyanide and not die. The same time, I saw another explanation. See, some of the co-conspirators, you know, backed out and replaced the cyanide with ordinary powder. Lie. These are things you are finding out 100 years after. Actually, more than 100 years after. I said, because they just couldn't understand. How do you feed a man with cyanide enough to keep four men? And he just asked for wine to wash it down. Those writing the story, they, one of them, he, he always looks for an explanation for spiritual things. Just to prove that spiritual things don't happen. The truth is that, okay, let me say, what I believe, I've, I've read that story different years. I first saw the story maybe more than 20 years ago, watched it again recently. I said, each year you read, they are telling another story. But you know what I think happened? This is what I think. God said, this one will not die now. And that's why they found it so hard to kill him. I don't know the reason why God said it. But he was a mystical person, right? Everything he did with his mystical powers, they have been trying to explain it away. Now, if you see the way they'll be doing calculation to explain it away. I said, you guys will leave these things. Spiritual power exists. That's why Jesus uttered the word. You will eat deadly things and they will not harm you. That's life. That's life. Life means that a poisonous serpent, the locals know this thing is poisonous, hiding inside a particular piece of wood. Paul put it inside the fire. Serpent jumped out. Come. 
and fastened himself to Paul's hand with, the, with his fangs. They knew that this guy will swell and die. Paul shook the thing into the fire and continued talking. So they kept on waiting that he will soon die. He will soon die. He must be a wicked person. The sea did not kill him. God now said serpent should kill him. He was talking. They were not listening. They were waiting for him to die. After a while, the guy said, can you give me water? Let me wash down my throat. Everything I've been saying, my mouth don't dry. They said, there must be a God. For this guy not to die. Because they knew how poisonous that serpent was. That is what is called what? Life. Life was working in him. See, my explanation of what life is, is it taking a long time. I started by talking about death, so that we'll understand. They were now reversing death. Makes it easy to understand what life is. Life says to Paul, See, okay, I was, there was something I said the other day. Let me quickly correct it. Not correct, finish it. I didn't finish it. That was not last time, the time before that. I was talking about the power of resurrection, what resurrection means. I was saying something and I got distracted. That if you lose a loved one, that if somebody travels, you don't start crying. You may cry, you miss them, but in your heart, I will see them again. So you don't mourn like if somebody died and they buried the person. Why? They only traveled abroad. I was saying that, but I now got into talking about people who go start hiding when they give them visa for three months. <laughs> they don't want to start for three years. And they but what I was going to say is that because of the resurrection of Christ Jesus, we fully understand that we know that our loved ones only traveled. They travel to a place where there's no network. So they can't send us WhatsApp messages. No video calls. But one day we will see them again. And they will recognize also. And we will recognize them. And we'll say long time. And for many of us, it will be even quicker than people who went abroad. I don't know whether I get my point. Yes, now, I mean, we're going to see these people one day. That's just a matter of fact. So I was trying to say that that time, but I didn't completely say it. And I remembered. I said, let me just quickly finish that. So that's what, one thing that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all right, um, um, did for us or does for us. So I'm saying life. Life. What is life? It means that genes are corrected. Life. It means that if God speaks a word concerning my destiny, it will come to pass. I hope you're getting my point. That is what life is. Life means that God's, God's original plan, nothing evil can stop it in my life. Life means that God's original plan, nothing evil can stop it in your life. No matter what be the machinations of the enemy. God has already spoken, and it must come to pass. That is what life is. And Jesus said, I came to give you what? Life. Not only give you life, but make sure that it is so abundant, there's no area that's not covered. If it's health, it is covered. If it's finances, it is covered. If it's protection, it is covered. See, please magnify. One of the reasons why we start, you know, I told you something earlier, well, in previous times. That any thing we do here, my prayer, my desire is that you make it into a habit. Please magnify God every day. Stop for only bad news around. They kidnapped some people. One of them got killed. You are not CNN. See, if you fall things like that around, God will destroy your phone. Because your phone is an instrument of unrighteousness. It's not only your bodies you offer as an instrument of righteousness. You have to offer your phone as an instrument of what? Righteousness. If you have rubbish on your phone, it will die in Jesus' name. Say amen with me. 
If you are forwarding bad news and things that divide people, the Lord destroy your phone. Amen. And anyone listening to me, your phone is destroyed. You see, if you like, don't just say, don't worry. When you lose the first phone, you will see it's coincidence. Between the Lord and I, we are waiting for you. The Lord has sent me and his spirit. We are waiting for you. Please, if you want to experiment with me, buy cheap phones. Because if you go and buy, is it iPhone 14 or S23 Ultra? Mm-hmm. And you dare me, your used car has just spoiled. You know, in, in, those, car, those things, they're like the cost of <laughs> small, small used cars. So don't just dare me. I'm not joking. So for the love of your phone, when they fold you bad news, say bad news, I beg. I don't, I don't reason, I don't check them. Between you and my phone, which one is more important? My phone, just delete it. You know why? You are not seeing it. You know, there, there are some newspapers in Nigeria that carry the news for you. All right? There's, there's um, Punch, there's Vanguard, there's Guardian, there's Sun. Some of them are specialists only in bad news. In fact, Punch has one section. I noticed. I never agreed to read it. As you're passing through, you always see, she doesn't cook for me again. I want, to, I want out of the marriage. They, they, they go to divorce court and be reporting things. I said, look at these people. <laughs> they have one reporter in the magistrate court <laughs> always reporting bad, bad things. And then some newspapers will now give you, you know, Big Brother is news item. I hope you never click on it. Just, just scroll past that. Anyway, but by the way, you are not a newspaper. And you are not CNN. Oh, you know the full meaning of CNN by my definition? Calamity News Network. You are not Calamity News Network. Yeah, there are some people that how to lose your faith, follow them. On social media, everything wrong with the government. They are the ones that will tell you. I'm explaining something to you. Don't let any, no. Don't be the one that will weaken people's faith. That's what I want to emphasize. Stop forwarding rubbish around. If you read stories of deliverance, forward it. You know why? Why I'm saying this is that your faith will determine what will happen to you. I hope you're getting my point. When you see stories of the manifestations of eternal life, forward them around. Very, very important. Because if our faith is boosted, things will not happen for us the way it happens to other people. You will walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you will not experience evil. Say amen to that. That's a matter of fact. Okay? It's very important. So, I hope I've explained what life is. So, Jesus said, I've come that they may have it abundantly. Life is protecting you. That's why I went to the last thing I said. Don't stop talking as if your life is a game of chance. The life of God is protecting your physical life now. Now let me give you a prophetic word. Though you walk the valley of the shadow of death, you will not have any need to fear any evil. For the Lord is with you. He will be a shield round about you. It is written, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so does the Lord surround you. Amen. He has given his angels charge concerning you. Amen. They will keep you in all your ways. Amen. If you travel at night, they will keep you. Amen. If you travel during the day, they will keep you. Amen. Nobody is going to shoot you and you will die before your time. Amen. It will not happen in the name of Jesus. Amen. No disease will end your life prematurely. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of any one of his saints. 
You know what that means? Children of God don't die by accident. They don't die by chance. Bear that in mind. You're not alive by chance, so you cannot die by chance. So don't try to improve your chances. Just live. Do what is right. And trust God. If you travel on the dangerous road, God will go with you there. I hope you know your God is more dangerous than the danger on that road. Like I was reading just now in Psalm 48. The nation saw and they ran. You know, I, I was telling the story last time. Of how I was standing one day. And it was long later, maybe months or even years later, I realized what happened. I didn't even, it didn't cross my mind that I could have been the one that I still remember that boy very well. He had a gun under his shirt. And as they were heading towards where I was, suddenly one called from inside the car, called to him. So he ran to the car, jumped inside, and they drove off in a hurry. And I didn't see anybody. Do you know, is this scripture that just explained it? The nation saw. <laughs> and they were terrified. That is your testimony in Jesus' name. Amen. See, many times, you know, like I said before, God doesn't even tell you. Because he said, let me not scare this guy. Let me not scare this girl. She will just become afraid. Say, praise the Lord. You won't believe what happened yesterday. Because I don't want to hear that kind of story. You know, there's testimony that generates confidence. But there's testimony that generates fear. As if, ha, yesterday it almost happened. God just managed to deliver me. Tomorrow, I'm not passing there. Yes, that's it. Tomorrow, I'm not passing there again. That kind of thing. You finish the testimony. Everybody say, please, where is that road? They don't say, where is the God? They just say, where is the road? (laughs) So sometimes God doesn't let you know. He said, Angels, they say, yes, our Lord, deliver him. Then the Lord, they, they deliver you. Should we tell him? He said, no. If you tell him now, nobody in the church will come here again. Because he'll go, brethren, you know, immediately after our car, when you go like this, you know that road, when you pass this way, there's a, there's a tree at that joint. He's describing where the evil is. When he finishes describing it, everybody says, Pastor, now say, praise God. We thank God for the deliverance of our brother, but everybody be wise. <laughs> The testimony has shifted from the deliverance <laughs> to being wise. That is why many times God, God has delivered you. He didn't tell you. You think you live to be this age because you are smart or you never went anywhere dangerous. See, let me tell you. You, are, you didn't live to this age because you never went anywhere dangerous. You, people who have died going to places one-tenth as dangerous as the one you went to. Some didn't even go anywhere. They stayed at home. I told the story before of a young boy that was brought to me as a pathologist to find out why he died. And I told him it's not hard now. He got shot in the neck. He said, was he alone in his room? I said, yes. He got shot in the neck. They went back and checked. They saw the hole in the roof. Young boy, I think about, I can't remember the age now. It's been a while. But something around 10. And that's about 11, 12, or 9. There about. Got shot in the neck. Sleeping in his room, in his parents' house. Whatever it is. Shot something into the air. He fell through the roof, hit him in the neck. Then a few weeks ago, one of our brothers testified. It happened in their house. They picked the, they picked the bullet from the ground. And they showed us the, roof in the, the hole in the roof. What I'm saying is that people didn't even go out. They died in their house. Oh, let's not talk about the ones that truck just jammed the building, collapsed the building and the people inside. What I'm saying is that you are not alive now. Because you get censored. But that's not my emphasis. 
My emphasis is that the God I kept it till now is not going to retire. So you know, they talk about this country as if the God that helped them now is going on leave. So he's going on terminal leave, maybe in about. Uh, you know what you call terminal leave? Or oh, people don't know terminal leave. You're supposed to retire December. They give you leave from maybe September. Terminal leave. So they pay you for another three months while you're doing nothing. God is about to go on terminal leave by the time their children are about to enter university. So the God that helped them from the time they were young till today, he will have retired by the time those children need him. So like one man said something, I just looked at him and I said, <laughs> the guy said, he's a mirage. He said, come to Canada. He said, no, don't come anywhere. He said, don't come anywhere. So specialist, all right, specialist doctor, owns the pri- owned the private clinic. He sold everything and went abroad with his children. So he had three cars, had a duplex that he built, even another one. And we were just talking about how life was in Nigeria. He said, what now? Ah! He said, Nigeria, he said, you walk, you enjoy your work. He said, here, you walk, or God lets you know that he's paying you for the work, that you walk without enjoying your work. He said, it's a mirage. I thought he was regretting it. So the man interviewed and said, okay, why did you do it? Sell everything. He said, you see, they will reward me with Canadian citizenship. That will not help my children. So one of my classmates, who's the current chief medical director of one of the teaching hospitals in this country, one of the federal ones, he said, what exactly is the advantage to your children for having the citizenship? And nobody could give a good answer. One third of those in that my chat group live in UK, and that one third lives in the US, the other one third lives in Nigeria. We have one or two people that move from different islands to another island, but most people that's how we distribute ourselves. And nobody could he was just asking a simple question. So the guy asked, why? Now, this is where I'm going with the whole story. I keep on telling people that when you talk like that, what you are saying is that I came this far not by the help of God. And where I will go later, or where my children will go, God will have retired anyway, even if it was him. He won't be able to take care of them. We do things that actually get God angry. And I want to tell you that if you're a Christian, don't offend the Lord. Find another reason for things that you do. Because there are things you do, God will be looking at you and say, what are you saying about me? I just want to know, what are you saying about me? What are you saying about me? Because you're saying now that you just described your life. Are you stupid? You just described your life. You said to everybody, you made it to become a specialist doctor in this area. You owned a private hospital. You had three cars. You had workers working for you. You built a house. You're not even living in You're living in another one. And you, according to you, you could save half of the money you were earning. That's what the man said. He said he could save more than half of what he was earning. And that he worked with leisure. He enjoyed his work. So God is now saying, okay, no, I don't have a problem with wherever you are now. But that statement is what I want to know. What are you saying? I brought you to this level. I can't do it for your children. Oh, please, if you are listening to me, I'm not into arguments and discussions. I'm giving you the word of the Lord for the children of God. If you are not born again, shut your mouth. I'll make you dumb if you talk. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those who claim to fear God. And I'm telling him, them how to fear him. Tell the truth. I fear God more than I fear poverty. I fear God more than premature death. You see, I have some problems in my life. Eh? One of them is the fear of entrapment. Being cornered for eternity. I don't like it. 
I, I drank the spirit from God. If you put fire down, say, we'll burn if you don't deny Jesus Christ. I'm too afraid of hellfire. I don't know where you're getting my point. My, see, my fear of eternal damnation is worse than the fear you are, what, what you are presenting to me. The Lord is good. Now, what am I saying? So, I just wanted to explain that. To be, I'm talking to children of God, like I said. I'm not talking to everybody. I'm talking divine wisdom. Okay? Do whatever you want to do, but please be careful the kind of things you say so that God will not get angry with you. Be very, very, very careful. Be very careful. And what I'm just saying to you is that the God that took care of you is not going to retirement. He doesn't have a retirement plan, actually. Even if you were to have the words he has spoken, they've gone out. They don't know how to return void. And the word has gone out to affect your children. Say so you will not have children for calamity. Your God will be their God. Their faith will be greater than yours. And the manifestation of God in their lives will be greater than the one that you have ever experienced or will ever experience. Yeah, because the path of the just is like the light of dawn. In every subsequent generation, that light will shine brighter. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, so that is what life is. Taking so much time to explain what life is and what God has done for us. Like I said last time, as believers, we do endure hardship. But hardship is not the plan of God. Why do, we, and why do we go through hardship? It is simply because we are what? Soldiers of Christ. And we don't back down from a fight. We don't run away from giants. But we, our job is to claim the promised land. Those who are claiming the promised land, sometimes they have to endure the rigors of warfare. And that's why we talk the way we talk. But we have to know what the promised land really is. We saw it earlier. This is what God does. That's a prayer in Psalm 144. Is what God says will happen to you on this earth. You may say, why didn't Paul experience it like this? He gave you the reason why. It is simply because his apostleship demanded that he went from one place to another on the cutting edge. Therefore, he said, we are poor. But what? We make many rich. Sometimes we talk as if Paul had a congregation of poor people. It's not true. He said, instruct those who are rich. And he was talking to church members. He was talking to church members. He said it as poor, yet making many rich. He could do that. Like I said last time, we read through the scriptures to see the heart of God. We see what the promised land is for the people of God. He said, it's a land where you will eat without scarceness or scarcity. That's old English. That's, that was the plan of God. A land where you will eat without scarceness. There's something I should quickly say about this life thing. Okay, maybe when I begin to talk about that later. You, want, you, you have to understand that one of the things that God does is to showcase the effect of the life. The life does not come from outside. It comes from what? Inside. Out of their bellies shall flow rivers of what? Living water. Out of their belly. They don't go around looking for where there is plenty water. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The temple of God oozes water from inside. And where that water goes, it produces fruit. I hope you're getting my point. Let's quickly read it. Ezekiel chapter 47. When Jesus said that thing, there's no scripture directly that he was quoting. 
this was, we believe, this was the area he was talking about. He was talking about the temple. For time's sake, we will not read everything. But if you read from verse 1, just read a few verses. So then they brought me back to the door of the house, and this house was the temple of God, whose temple we are. And behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east, for the house faced east. And the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, from the south of the altar. Now, you remember that altar is where we lay ourselves down. Remember that? Yes, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. So the person who's, who's offered up as a living sacrifice, he said, from there, water begins to flow. He brought me out by the way of the north and led me around on the outside to the outer gate by way of the gate that faces east. And behold, water was trickling from the south side. Now, for time's sake, we are going to jump down. Okay, let's just rush down from three. I will just jump. When the man went out towards the east with the line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits. The water became water reaching the ankles. Next verse, he measured a thousand, another thousand. Water reaching the knees, that's what it became. They measured another thousand, the water was reaching the loins. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not ford. For the water had risen, enough water to swim in. A river that could not be forded. You don't wade through, that's what they meant. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me back to the bank of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side, on the one, and on the other. Then he said to me, these waters, remember, coming from the temple, that started trickling from the altar. These waters go out toward the eastern region. It flows towards Enugu, right? Hallelujah. Amen. And go down into the Arabah. Then they go toward the sea. Being made to flow into the sea. And the waters of the, remember it's the Dead Sea, become fresh. It will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the water goes will live. And there will be very many fish. For these waters go there and the others, the others become fresh. So everything will live where the water goes. Now please notice, out of their bellies shall flow forth what? Rivers of living water. That's what Jesus was referring to. Now, what I want to emphasize is that the life that is in believers, they, it flows out to cause dead things to live. The life in Christians don't look for where there are living things. It looks for where to cause dead things to live. That is what that life does. Understand your responsibility. Like I said last time, as believers, we make our we put our responsibilities above our what comfort, and then we understand that we take joy in those responsibilities. We count them. No, we take our we put our responsibility above our blessings. Yes, that's what I'm looking for. That indeed we count our responsibilities as blessings. I always find it funny. I'm sorry to say this, but let's talk to ourselves. That man who was speaking then. You close a whole hospital because you want to get passport for your children. One of our brothers told me a story. He met a man like that. I hope he's not the same person. No, no, this one was in Delta. The guy had about, I don't know how many doctors working for him. He had a hospital too. He had nothing less than maybe 10 nurses. The total number of staff he had were about 20. 
And the guy shut everything down. Sold the things he could and packed his family and moved to North America. Moved to Canada specifically. So when the brother asked him, why are you doing this? He explained many, many things. But this is where I'm going. He now said, what about all the staff that were working for you? He said, I'm not their God. That was a statement he made. He said, I am not their God. That is how to define being irresponsible. That's the definition. You know, there are statements you make. God said there's no problem. You will never be in that position again in your life. Yeah. You see, when you want to kneel down to pray, make sure that your life is also praying. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Not only your mouth. Your life should be praying. There are businesses you will have. And you will look and say, this is taking some effort from me. It's not giving me much. But at least he employs like seven, eight people. And they get, have a decent salary. Let's keep it running. You don't need the money. Those who do restructuring of businesses, they usually will shut that down for you. Tell them, don't shut it down. That's what they call the priestly corner of life. Go and learn the principle of the Sabbath. There are things you do, they are sabbatical. That is, it's a sign of rest. There are offerings you give. Burnt offerings were wasted. Christian life usually has a wasteful corner. That's the priestly corner. A time that you could have been productive. They say, sit down at home and sleep. Say, let's get, no, God said, I want you to sleep. Why am I sleeping? To prove that it is me you are trusting. They say, let's consolidate. They say, don't consolidate anything. Because I have 15 people working there. As long as it can be kept alive. Keep it alive. See, when they say, don't kill the goose that lays the golden egg, it sounds like a, a wisdom, right? It is wisdom. I'm not saying it's not wisdom. But people kill it every day. Because they are not the one eating the egg. So they take the goose, eat the meat. Why? All the eggs have been laying all these years. It's been laying for staff salaries. Listen, there is a reason why you are blessed. It's so you can be a blessing. There are things I've seen. Let me talk about Nigeria. Not only Nigeria, every country is like that. It has to be fought for. It has to be redeemed. Everything that is bad has to be fought for and redeemed. You are a doctor. You will start a hospital you don't need. Just so that you are saying to God, my vision is to end medical tourism. So the hospital will work for maybe 10, 15 years. Then one day you will do accounting. And your accountant will look at you like, are you normal? Say, what am I normal? You have never taken money from here. Uh, yes, but I guess the one I use, I get from here. God has been good. Ah, there is a... But you've invested... The aim is not to take money. The aim is to plant something. That everywhere people will say, this happens in this place. And that takes... It, it, it takes from you. It doesn't give to you. The, the principle of the world for business is, I have to make something from it. This man used an expression. The founder of, um, what's the name of this? No, not paper. This Nigerian one. Flutterwave. Yeah. I heard him speak during, um, I think, platform. I never heard that expression before. So there's a level of business. Again, you lose. That's what most people actually think business should be. Whatever they have to gain. Now, what we used to teach, which is the second level that man said, which is very true, is that you can do business in a manner in which both parties gain. 
He said, but it's a redemptive level of doing business, which is I sacrifice, you win. That you are gaining based on my sacrifice. Let me tell you something. You can be so blessed to a level. To you is nothing. It, it, see, you know, private universities, many of the private universities are started in Nigeria, especially by missions. They are not making money. They are not making money. In case you did not know. I don't, I'm not holding brief for Bishop David Oedepo. I don't um, know the dealings in covenant enough. But I can assure you of one thing. Those who keep on going around telling lies that covenant is cleaning out, they don't know anything. They've never worked in the university. One day we had a discussion, some of our brethren. There's this brother, he's a professor of um, international petroleum law, something like that. It's my, one of our brethren from school. He, he teaches in um, one school in the United States, a professor of law. So that day, he normally doesn't talk much on our platform. That day he spoke. He said he has not been able to have conversation with people, him, because they don't know enough to make conversation possible. Yeah, he said this brother has just spoken. He said because people don't know the cost of education. So when he sees Nigerians talk, that he keeps quiet. So no, brother, brother spoke. And in fact, somebody said that uh, they don't understand what is going on. That uh, after all, this particular school is only 100,000 a term with boarding. I said, secondary school. Now they compare to university. Then why should covenant be charging like this? I said, you don't know anything. So we started speaking. That day when we spoke, that's when we read. Bishop Oedipo used to rehab the students in covenant. I don't know about now. He said, I use your fees to cut grass. All the money you pay is for cutting grass. Now whether it's literal or figurative, I don't know. But one of our brothers, been to his company, he said, he said, sir, it makes sense to me because we spend 30 million naira a month to keep our residential area looking like this. That they're cutting their grass and cleaning their gutters. He said, it costs my company 30 million every month. He said, so I can imagine what it's costing <laughs> them. One day he sent me a picture from the school. He said, guess where this is? I said, it's governor. He said, I'll guy, you try. Because I said, for you to tell me guess, it has to be something in Nigeria. Beautiful environment. So when the man said, I spend your fees cutting grass, for some of us, it didn't sound outrageous. Because to cut grass is not free. I hope you're getting my point. So why do some people open universities? The best I've found out for many of them, hmm? the best selfish reason I've found out is for fame. If you have enough money to open a university, there are other things that will give you more money without the headache. Some people do things, it's called redemptive. They just want to redeem something. So it's costing them money. I have a friend, a colleague, who teaches in one university in Abuja. Medical school, their fee in a year, annual tuition, does not include feeding and stuff. Just what you pay. I'm not even sure. I think it includes accommodation. I'm not so sure of it. Anyway, as I was two years ago, we were talking about seven million. Did you hear what I said? No, you didn't hear me. I expected you to react. Seven million naira per annum. He said, Oga, he calls me Oga. He said, Oga, my students' parents are very rich. He said, So I come to class sometimes. My students have their feet on the table and they are sipping tea. These are rich kids. They don't understand all this. My father said, I should come and study medicine for what? And he's drinking tea. But he now. And I know good guy here, no normal guy, you know, when they no good together. He doesn't understand. He said, Oh boy, can you please put down your feet? I want to give a lecture. So, he said, oh, sorry, sir. Can I just finish my tea? All right, you know. 
That, but that's how wealthy the parents are. So why are you telling us about it? He said they just had a meeting, and their vice chancellor told them that they are doing well. That now, as 7 million naira per student, that now they are, about, they are able to meet 40% of their overhead. That they are now able to meet 40, and that for the owners of the institution, that's progress. They are now reckoning 40%, not half. So when you see some people there, you say, Vision eh, Medical, just tell them, shut up. You don't know what it costs. <laughs> Let's not talk about the other non financial headaches. No, there's financial headache, and there's a non financial one. But why did they do it? That flutter wave man said, it's redemptive. That you don't redeem places, now I'm adding my own words, without sacrifice. You will start business you don't need. Simply because you are a redeemer. Some of this, you are blessed to be a blessing that we do. We, are, we think it's about chopping more money. So anytime somebody do, do something, say, what are they still looking for? You know, you know talking to poor people is a hard thing. You know? Now when I say poor, I don't mean you don't have money. I mean poverty of mind. You know, you don't even know what to tell them. So when a man has a house, maybe one in town, one in the village, and two cars, what is he looking for? Just look at him. Ah, poor people. What a pity. You, you, you're, you're feeling horrible. That, so these are the people that vote in this country. <laughs> you, know, you know, I told you last time, democracy. No, fella used to say, what is democracy? Demonstration of grace. Them all crazy. Honestly. Wait, I said, these people vote. You know, you don't hear. You know, when you say people talk in your mind, uh, you are going to vote. You are betting your finger, and you are going to vote. Of course, thank God. But God makes his own choices because the foolishness of human beings is alarming. Talking to people who don't, you know, it pains you. You know, one day one of my chiefs said something when I was in Lagos. He said, these people don't even understand that some people can actually love their job. He said, everything you are doing, they are checking, what are you gaining? I have a friend who used to come to Nigeria, he lives abroad. He used to go around teaching professionals how to do their work better. And that guy said, I know the grant he has gotten. I know how much money is in this thing. You know, it was painful for me because the man's talking is older than the one doing. Okay? They are both specialists. And I happen to know that that guy's gotten zero support from anybody. Nobody gives him any money. The only thing he gets once in a while, he will call some of his colleagues abroad. I'm going back home to do this. Are you interested? Uh, they say, yes, you pay your own ticket. Too. Yeah. So the guys will say, ah, what you are doing is good. Let's follow you. They are also specialists abroad. So they come together. It, it lets you know you will pay your own ticket. So the guy said, don't have money. I will buy my ticket. But while you are in Nigeria, the whole setup will take care of you. Your hotel flying around within the country. Say, but international flights, sorry, we can't afford it. So this guy said, no problem. We we'll buy our own tickets and we'll come. Yet, you know, somebody was saying that, hey, I know how much money is getting from it. I give you testimony. The guy was getting nothing. He was spending his own money. But the other man couldn't believe anybody would do this. Except he's getting something financially. 
and people like that vote. And you see them criticize government. And you now know where the problem is. I like to talk to Christians. Storm joining Paul people say, that, what are they looking for? Damn good thing, when you finish the refinery, eh? go and build something else. It's not what we are looking for. We cannot be paying you $700 million in dividends from cement alone, and you are not doing new investments. It's crazy. You have to. When you finish Dangote Refinery, build Dangote University, which we know is a drain. That's where your money will go. We're not giving you back. We'll still abuse you on top of, you know, we're normal people. We don't have sense. We'll still abuse you, but don't mind. Come to Enugu, we will give you land. Build a university. Call it Dangote University. We will go there. We will pay some money. You reduce the load on UNN and the other schools around. And because we are giving you $1 billion a year in other areas, this is where you will spend it to. Why? You are rich. And until we become rich like you, we must chop. It's called gleaning. It's not everything you... You can't eat everything by yourself. You must share it. Everybody say, yeah, yeah, because I mentioned Dangote. I also mentioned your name. In fact, somebody claimed that one. No? Because for your name to be mentioned, you are blessed. Too. I hope you're getting my point. I assume that you two you are getting a few billions in dividends in a year that we can collect and use to educate people. You will start schools you don't need simply because you said there are too many people walking around Enugu who don't have any skill. Do you know what the flutter wave man said they did? When they wanted to teach people to code, they paid them to come and learn. It's crazy. This, yeah, that is, we employ you, there's nothing in your brain, we know. They will give you a salary that you will be licking out, say, ah, you will pay me this amount? You will say yes. And in their mind, don't worry. We will train, pay, they call it a job for you, but for them it's training. So they are giving you good money monthly to be learning, knowing that once you have learned, you will leave them. What is their aim? That we will train enough people to flood Nigeria with skilled people when it comes to computer programming. And I know one brother, one of our brothers, his, friend, his brother, learned like that. He didn't come out of university with a, if I remember well, he said he left university with a third class. But he got that job. He learned. He started his own company. He said he helps him make some decisions. So one day, a bank gave him a job. He said, how much will they charge them? He wanted to charge them six million. He said, no, you can't charge them six million. Tell them 20 million. Those guys trained him. Why paying him? And they don't mind. The only is that if we have... Let me tell you something. Sorry, can we gist? Please, let's gist more. But message don't finish. I just want to gist. All right? You know China? You know why they are the manufacturing capital of the world? We used to think because of cheap labor. It's not cheap labor at all. Their labor is not too cheap. It's good, though. I'm not saying it's, it's expensive. They are the manufacturing capital of the world because of volume of manpower. Say, if you enter China, say you are starting a big company, you need 10,000 engineers. They give you like this. Just paste your advert on their social media, on their, their professional networking site. If you need 10,000 engineers, they will give you. I mean, engineers that can engineer. Engineers that can design. Engineers that can do engine. Do you get my point? China will give you like this. Next in line, India. India has so... Go and check the educational system. Go online. Say you want to learn anything, secondary school level at least, because of my wife. Nine out of ten sites you get to, they are Indian sites. 
Some of them, they teach in Hindi. Now, please go and check the top companies in the world. Who's heading Google now? Who's heading um, uh, uh, Microsoft? Go and check it. They're thinking of everything. But one of the things that, how you know people are not developing, people are not going anywhere. If I invest, what am I getting? That's what they're thinking. So those guys said, no. Let's teach our people. That is, the concept is that, which also happened afterwards, you see. You saw, let's say we saw Mark Zuckerberg. Do you know why Mark Zuckerberg came? They said, no problem. That they have a tech hub in Nigeria. And when they spoke to the young men, the idea is that if you can code, I will give you work. And you don't have to travel to America. They do the same thing in, in Kenya. This guy said, no, just develop the skill. We know that we live. Don't worry. You don't have to stay with us, but we'll train you. We'll populate this environment so much after where when we need staff, we will find easy. And the big thing about those tech jobs is that, listen, do it from anywhere. I'm talking about redemption. The life, the abundant life that is in us, it goes out to bring life into seas that were dead, into areas that were dead, into desert land, so that on both sides of the flowing of the river, trees are growing. Inside the river, fish are swarming. All kinds of living creatures. The sick ones, they get healed. Listen, let me just tell you about this country again. If you're an African, listen also. What I say to Nigeria, I say to all Africa. You are the giant of Africa, so Africa can't to hear it. Nobody will redeem this country for you. Nobody. One of won't come. Asian will not come. If you will not get up and redeem the land by yourself, you say you're a believer. God will give it to bandits. It's who wants the land now? Have you seen the headsman taking visa to go anywhere? <laughs> is who wants it. Now keep on saying this. I gave this prophetic word then. I said, thus says the Lord, if you want this nation, I will give you. It's if you want it. If you don't want it, I give who wants it. Who's willing to die for it? You are there telling yourself, man, you need a plan B. God said, there's no problem. I will not enjoy you for your plan C. But then the land, you will not stay from far. And be doing what people do every day. Abusing the new government. Abusing INEC. Abusing the, uh, what they call it, the justices of the presidential electoral panel. Abusing everybody. God says, Shebi, you don't go now. What's all of this? Why are you drinking Panadol for their headache? One of my friends said the other day, he said, ah, if you see any young man, where doctors talking, he was he said, please don't stop him. I felt like saying, not a problem, okay? But just know, by that statement you have made, nobody will redeem anything. So if you can't carry all of us, ask yourself, who will redeem the place? You call the place your fatherland or father's land. Which one is the correct English now? Anyway, motherland, fatherland. Anyway, you, you, you get my point. Your ancestral land. <laughs> eh? Somebody has to redeem it. Somebody. Somebody has to. It takes a generation or two. God, look, nobody knows, has any land. Let's let the one you think you own your father's village. If you know who, who owned it before your, God gave it to your ancestors, you go surprise them. And so don't think it's going to be us forever. Ah, isn't that your Bible? Yeah. 
Promised land. Do you know who was there before? It's called the land of what? Of who? Canaan. Canaan. The land belonged to the descendants of Canaan. And they came in different groups. You know that the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites. There are plenty. And then now, we have turned that thing now to a Christian name. Bishop Edipo calls their permanent site in their church what? Canaan land. It sounds like, no, literally what it means originally, this land belonged to Canaan. God collected it and gave to descendants of, what's the name of his brother? God gave to descendants of Shem. The land belongs to Canaan. God took it and gave it. Know the funny part? Right now, no Canaanite is contending for it. The people who are now fighting for it with the, with the people of modern-day Israel, you understand? You know who, what they are? They are called the Kaftorim. That is the Philistines. They are the ones now fighting now, calling themselves Arab and all of that. The original people that own the land, they don't go. The mem- very memory of them has perished. Those who are now fighting for it were not even there originally. So the land you think belongs to you now. You don't know who was there before. And if you don't claim it, you don't know who will be there in another 50. And you can be angry. It's your problem. Uh, my message for today is over. But um, the only problem is that there's a critical part of it which I have not yet um, touched. And uh, let's see whether we'll do that uh, next time. Remember... I just want to say this one so that I will remember where I stopped. Abundant life is in three levels. There's a spiritual realm. There is a realm of the mind in which God gives you a sound mind. And then, of course, there is an outward manifestation in health and supernatural, in health and material supplies. Like we read from Psalm 144. I had hoped to talk about how to activate it, which is by faith. Five points I had down, jotted down so that I will remember. Um, one, Knowledge is important. Knowledge is important. Two, giving thanks for what God has promised as if he has already done it. And three, making petitions. There's a difference between petition, all right? Okay, making petitions based on that. And then number four, making supplications if necessary. And then last of all, confession of the word. This time, a prophetic declaration of the word. And all of these things put together activate that life. Then God may tell you, do this. Apply a cake of figs to the boy, and then he will, he will be healed. Sometimes he gives things like that. He says, do this, do that. But I did not, I did, okay, maybe I should ask number six, okay? The wisdom for salvation. That would be number six. So that's what is called wisdom for salvation. Let me just add that down. So maybe we'll come back next time and um, talk about it. Sometimes, eh, as a preacher, this thing will just be hot for your body. You feel like just doing it now, now, now. I'll say, okay, come back tomorrow morning. But let's leave it till next Saturday. Anyway, I hope you are blessed today. Uh, if you are blessed, can you just bow down your heads and thank God for his word that he gave to you. Just thank God for it. Thank him for abundant life. Thank him for abundant life that you have in Christ Jesus. Just give him thanks for abundant life which you have in Christ Jesus. Let's give thanks for that. Before we leave today, I want someone to just claim something in the power of that life. Let's not leave it like that. Claim something. Claim something. Claim healing. Claim supernatural supplies. Claim deliverance. Claim a sound mind. Say, my mind is sound. My mind is sound. I have life. The bad gene is silenced. I have life. Claim something. Claim something.
There's a need that's in front of you. Claim supplies for it. I may not see wind or rain, but my valley will be full of water. Say, God will make events arranged to bring my supply my way. Abundance is coming my way. I want us to just declare the word. My vats will overflow with oil. My bands will be full to overflowing, as it is written. I want us to claim something before we go today. Faith has been provoked. Use it to collect something, to meet the needs of now. Receive supernatural supplies. Receive healing. Receive healing. That disease, as it says, old age, the knees, the back, the eyes, the heart, whatever. Receive healing for them now. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is walking in me, giving life to my mortal body, walking in my eyes, walking in my brain, healing me of every affliction. Causing me to conceive and to give birth to twins. Causing me to invest and have my money create jobs for people. So it's working in me. It's working in me. It's the life of Christ. He said he laid down his life, the good shepherd, that he may have life in abundance. If you're going to read that, put it together. That's what Jesus was saying in that John chapter 10. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. I have come that he may have life. That is my sheep. And life more abundantly. So receive it. Now I'm going to pray for you. Please say amen to this. May your sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. Amen. May your daughters be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. Amen. May your bank accounts be filled with every kind of currency. Amen. May your bars be filled with crops of every kind. Amen. Whatever business you do, whatever work you do, profession, can be farming, can be Design, photography, investment, you know, transportation, you know, teaching, whatever be it. Your flock in your field will multiply by the thousands. Amen. The ones that are multiplied by the thousand will multiply by tens of thousands. Amen. Your oxen will be overloaded down with produce. Amen. And in the midst of this, no enemy will break through your walls. Amen. Your home will be safe. Amen. No hacker will hack your account and take your money. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. He said there will be no going into captivity for you. Amen. What does that mean? You're not going to prison. Amen. You will not break the law. Amen. You will not do an investment that will break the rules of the nation. Amen. Nobody will by sweet mouth put you in trouble. Amen. He said there will be no cries of alarm in your town squares. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord will bless you on every side. Amen. He will bless your going out. Amen. He will bless your coming in. Amen. No evil will befall you. Amen. And no plague will come near your dwelling. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Once again, let's just give the Lord thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you. Thank you. Just give the Lord thanks.